This is Amateur Logic, episode 178, for February 17th, 2023. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories, and by ICOM. Whether out in the field or inside your ham shack, ICOM has what you're looking for with one of their base stations, mobiles, or handhelds. Spring into the new year with ICOM. Good evening. What? Welcome to another exciting episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And Mike is not with us tonight. Mike is, where the heck is he? He's sailing the high seas. Okay. Yeah, Mike Mike is on vacation. So. Whatever that is. Yeah. I suspect it's a little warmer wherever he is because it's kind of chilly here tonight. Yep. So that's automatic default uh, slacker of the month, eh, George? That is, and it just so worked out. You know, I checked the schedule, and yeah, it is his month to slack. So well, that was good of him to time it for that. Yeah, although I think he's only slacking for a week or so, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That that's okay though. Yeah, I'm, hope he's, I'm sure he's having a great time. Yeah. You'll be back. Email. What are the beads about, man? Oh well, we gonna we getting ready to brave the Mardi Gras down here. So uh, I'm sure you guys know all about it. But for our northern friends, it's one big party down in the city of New Orleans, in the country of New Orleans. In the country of New Orleans, that's right. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we have some of the bling here as well from two or three years ago. I'm not sure I ended up with it, but I got it. You may have shipped it here with something. Now that I think about it. Oh, yeah, the the king cake, and uh, y'all got the baby, so y'all were supposed to buy one for this year. What, what happened? Well, it's not over yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're having a big time over here in the French Quarter tonight. I see tonight. that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on Canal Street going to buy some cheap electronics. Well, they're not really cheap. Cheap-made, yeah. expensive electronics. Okay. <laughs> Looking good over there, guys. Oh, thank you. Same same to you. What is that hanging from your microphone up there? <laughs> that is the Mardi Gras mask, of course. Okay. Gotta wear a mask to the ball, right? Oh. Okay. I, I just didn't oh, okay. pick up I'll on that. Oh, okay. I see it now. Yeah. And, and I have the, uh, as Tommy coined it, the uh, industrial-sized beads in the back here. Yeah. So that's not a Christmas tree on a tripod. No, that's the, I hung some gigantic <laughs> beads on uh, my uh, telescope. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, what are we going to have on tonight's show, Tommy? What are you going to have? Oh, well, I got a I got a new device. I actually started out doing a different project again for like the second time, and it didn't work out so well. So I fell back on a new little toy I got. So I'm looking forward to showing that, and and I got some other stuff coming up with it too in the near future, hopefully. Yeah. Email, what's, what's been going on there? Well, the uh, W5SLA Ozone Amateur Radio Club, uh, you saw my last segment where I was packing up and getting things ready for winter field day, so we did it, and Glenn and I had an outing, and we're going to show you some of the things we did and uh, some of the people that we did it with. Awesome. Cool. And I had so much fun doing my segment here this time that I did it twice. That's because the first time there were problems with the recording, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Do you do that for Arnie? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have any evidence. <laughs> but uh, I did a project that actually I started, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And, and other than, you know, act like uh, Mike and Marty. I pulled it out of the box of unfulfilled dreams 
and and did something with it. Actually, I had a need. Anyway, a little Arduino project that I think just about anybody could use, and I'm giving you all the code and everything you need for it. So might be something you want to play with as well. Cool. Anyway, uh, get on into the show. First thing up tonight, Mike has an email, but he's not here, so we we won't be doing that. I guess we'll just get on into the projects. Sounds good. You know, I really like to build things, and when an opportunity arises, I usually jump right on it. I've got just such a project here to share with you tonight. This came up recently. I've got a transmitter site with several small FM transmitters that are typically all in use, but there's one that is a backup. And that one, occasionally, if it's been sitting there for a month or so and not being used, I can't access it. There's a PC at this location that stays booted up all the time and running, and that's how I access these transmitters. Well, occasionally I'll go in there and the backup transmitter won't respond. I'll look at it on the PC but I only get a blank page. The only way to solve that is to power cycle by unplugging that transmitter and then plugging it back in. That's not an opportune thing to do. If you're off the air, you need the backup, and it's going to take you at least 30 minutes or an hour minimum to get there. So I decided I'd put together a little project where I could power cycle that transmitter remotely. Now, the PC is there all the time. It's available on the Internet, and it has ample security on it that I'm not worried about it getting hacked into. So I thought I'd put together a little project using one of my favorite little microcontrollers, the Arduino Uno. Now, these are great, particularly if you're just learning microcontrollers. You can find them at arduino.cc. Right on the Arduino store here, they're selling them for $27.60. That's if you order it from the store. You can find them available at many other locations for a similar price, or there are actually cheaper ones made by other manufacturers since this is an open-source microcontroller project. I generally don't buy those, though. I like to go with the original Arduino brand. That way I'm supporting the creators and ensuring that I've got a quality product. Another item you're going to want for this project is a relay, because that's what I'm going to be interrupting the power of the transmitter with. Now, this is an 8-channel version right here. You can find them all over the place, at Amazon, eBay, just about anywhere that you can imagine. These are pretty much generic these days. This is an 8-channel module right here, The one I'm going to use in the project, though, is a four-channel version of this because I really only need one relay to pull this off. You can find these online really inexpensively. The four-channel version I just bought was 8 bucks at Amazon. Here's the wiring diagram. You've got the Arduino Uno sitting down there on the bottom right and the little relay board up on the top left. We've got plus 5 volts coming from the Arduino, the bottom of it right there, up to the VCC pin on the relay board. We've also got a ground connection from the Arduino to the relay board. And then we've got four GPIO ports from the Arduino going over to the inputs of the relay board. That means we can control each one of these relays individually with the Arduino. You might notice at the bottom there is a 10 microfarad capacitor. We'll talk more about that in a moment. We connect a USB cable to the PC, and there's a USB to serial converter here that communicates with the Arduino itself. That means we're sending serial commands to the Arduino with either a serial terminal program, just about any will work, or a program we create ourselves. And we don't have to have a serial port on the PC. All we need to do is plug in a USB cable. This way I can use the PC to control the Arduino Uno, essentially controlling the relays. You don't really have to know how to program. 
since I'm going to be providing the source code, you can download at the link shown right here. All you need to do is download the zip file and then download the Arduino IDE, install it on your PC, open up SerialRelay.ino, and here you go. Right here at the top are a lot of comments about how the program works. Below that is the actual source code for the project, and there's not really much in here. The whole thing is only 122 lines, and a good bit of that, well, the first 36 lines here is just all comments. I've commented most of the lines here in the program to tell you exactly what each one does. So if you'd like to see the nuts and bolts of what's going on, it's all spelled out right there in plain English. There's something important I do want to point out. Right here you can see that I'm setting the pin mode for these GPIOs as output. They can be defined to either be an input or an output. Of course, we're controlling something, so we want output. Immediately before we send that pin mode statement, though, we're doing a digital write to the same GPIO pin and setting it high. That means it'll come on in the off state. So the relay won't pulse on whenever the program is run or the Arduino's initially powered up. We're going to upload this code into the Arduino, and then, over the USB port, we're going to send serial commands to the Arduino. If we want to turn on one of those relays, well, we send the command relay, followed by a number, and then on. If we want to turn a relay off, we send a relay, along with a number, and off. So here the example is relay 1 on will set GPIO pin 2 to a low. The reason for that is, I'm not sure why, but the manufacturers of these relay cards set them up so that by default, the inputs on the relays are all sitting at high. If you pull an input on the relay card low, then that energizes the relay. Now, the reason that relay 1 sets pin 2 high is because we're not using pins 0 and 1. Those are reserved for other purposes. The program is written where it can control up to 10 relays. The board I'm going to use in the project only has 4. We can turn a relay on, we can turn it off, or we can get the status of the state of all the relays. If we send the word status through a serial port, it'll return ST equals and then a 10-digit number right here. Each one corresponds to one of the relays. In this example, ST equals 1. That means that relay number 1, which is GPIO pin 2, is on. And number 10, which is GPIO pin 11, is on. That means they're low, which turns on the relays. And that's all the commands that are sent to this. Now, to program the Arduino... All we really need to do is load in the SerialRelay.ino file. We go under Tools and select the board we're going to use. I'm using an Arduino Uno, and I can see here that it's connected on COM4. So I'll select COM4. We could do the same thing right here in this dropdown. We click the Upload arrow. That will compile the program and upload it into the Arduino. Done compiling, it's uploading, and now it's done uploading. So that's relatively quick. Now to see if this is working, well, we can click on the magnifying glass icon right here, or we can go to Tools and Serial Monitor. And that'll bring up a little Serial Monitor window at the bottom. Let's spread that out a little bit. And here's the boot-up message. Anytime you connect to the Arduino, it's going to want to automatically boot up, whether it's already running or not. So it gave us a message right here. tells us this is a Serial Relay controller. It's an Arduino Uno, SerialRelay.ino. Let's send an on command. We'll turn on relay number one. I heard a little click over here. Send the status now. And we can see status equals 1, 
followed by zeros. That means relay number one is on. Let's turn the relay off. I heard the relay release. Let's try status now. And now we can see the relay's been turned off. Okay, so we know that's working. There's one other item here that's fairly important to me, and it took a while to figure this out, so I'm going to share it with you. It's a good tip. Anytime a serial program connects to that Arduino, the Arduino is going to reboot. We don't want that. If I've turned on a relay on the Arduino and then disconnected the serial program that's controlling it, I'd want that relay to remain on. And if I connect to it again with the serial terminal, I don't want that relay to change state until I tell it to. Since the Arduino reboots by default, it's going to turn all the relays off. So to prevent that, there is a solution I found. I had to find it, and that's this right here. The 10 microfarad capacitor we talked about earlier. What we need to do with it is connect it between the reset pin on the Arduino and one of the ground pins. Since this is an electrolytic capacitor, make sure you've got the negative side going to ground, positive side going to the reset pin. What this does is prevents the Arduino from rebooting and thus resetting the relays whenever you connect to it with a serial program. So that's basically how this project works. And we've got the bare bones laid out there where you can see it. Now let's take a look at the actual finished project I've got. I've got an Arduino Uno sitting at the bottom here. Got cables coming up from the GPIO pins to control this four relay module couple of screws here in the bottom that are holding the Arduino in. It just kind of worked out that there are some slots inside this three-gang wall outlet box. I didn't want to spend a lot on a case, and can't really find any in town at a reasonable price. I didn't want to spend more on the case than I did on the actual project. So I just bought this at Lowe's. These little slots in here just happened to be the right size. I could just slide that relay panel in there. Didn't even have to bolt it in there. It's fitting plenty tight. Up here at the top, though, since these tiny relays really are not large enough to control the power going to a one kilowatt transmitter, I've got a larger relay up in here. This is a four-pole double throw, and I've got it ganged up into two separate pairs there. And those contacts are connected to this. It's a 220-volt transmitter, so I've got a 220-volt plug. Plugs into our wall outlet, and then I've got a socket here that the transmitter will plug into. By default, the way this is set up, the relay in its normally closed position will feed the 220 straight through. When we energize the relay, it'll break it so power won't get through there. That's how we're going to do a power cycle on the little transmitter. Let's test it out. I'm going to plug in a USB cable. Rather than use a serial monitor to control this with out in the field, be a little inconvenient in an emergency. I wrote a couple of programs here that'll actually do it for us. Included in the zip file that I'm sharing with you are these Windows programs. You can run on a Windows computer to control this relay panel. There's one called Serial Relay that controls everything. We'll run the program, and it comes up looking just like this. Our four relays that we named, on and off buttons for each of ten relays, a refresh button, an all-off button, and a status display that just shows us the same thing as if we had typed status in a terminal program, and then we've got an exit button. So let's just see how this works. If I click on relay one, I heard a little click there. Relay number one is turned on. And the click you heard was actually this big relay. The power supply I'm using, because this relay is controlled by 12 volts, there's only 5 volts on the Arduino. I've got an external 12 volt supply that is sending voltage in here to control the coil 
of this relay. So it's totally isolated from the power or any of the circuitry on the Arduino. Let's try another one. Let's say uh, turn on relay two. We got two relays on now. We could turn on three and four if we wanted to. Not all four. Let's say we're going to turn off relay number two here. There, you see it went off. Turn off number three. Okay, now we've got one and four on. We can see the status down here is showing us that relays one and four are turned on. All the rest of them are off. If we want to turn them all off at once, we can just hit the all off button. And now no relays are on. That program is probably the one that most anyone who built this project would want to use. And it's included. It's, it's free. You can use it if you'd like. Write your own or just use a serial terminal to speak with the relays. All I'm going to use is one relay because I'm only going to connect one transmitter to it. So I don't need that. It would be nice if I just had a program I could run on the PC that's connected to the USB port of that Arduino and just click on a button and tell it to power cycle my transmitter. Well, I wrote such a program. If I click on cycle power, you can hear that relay click and it's counting down. I had set it for 30 seconds. There's a power cycle setup.dat file that specifies the parameters to use here, the serial port and such. The third line in there tells us how many seconds to power cycle. It's counting down. And there, you heard the relay click. That means the relay relaxed and power is now flowing through the 220 circuit. So there you go, my little Arduino USB controlled relay project. I hope somebody gets some use out of it. I know it's going to work out great for me. In the future, I may revisit this, use something, well, a little different. Maybe not use a USB port. Maybe use Wi-Fi to control it with. And maybe use a cheaper component as well. I don't know. We'll see. That was a lot of fun. Anytime you do the Arduino projects, they're fun. Speak up, you know, George. George, you said a couple of things in that video. Uh, I think there was, uh, I never counted exactly, but there was sure a lot of mention of the word cheap. And I, I like how you uh, <laughs> never, uh, you never wanted to spend a lot of money on that three gang box. That was a good move. And you're also using com ports. That's cheap old man ports, man. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that. And, and USB cheap old man ports at that. I think you might have the compliant video. We'll have to see what Tommy did. Yeah. Well, let me say, I could have bought, and Tommy and I were just talking about it, I could have put a card in the PC that would do that, but it cost more than the project did here. So, you know, there yeah. you go. Nice. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to revisit that, but the one we saw right here, I'm going to take it in, to a transmitter site this week and hook it up and... It'll probably live there from now on, and I'll only ever use it when that thing locks up in an emergency is usually when I discover it. So, yeah, last time it was just raining cats and dogs here, man, and thunderstorming, and I needed that thing, and it wouldn't work, and so I called a guy that works with me, and he went over there. Oh, yeah. That's cheating. Well. Manuel yeah. Relay. Yep. Oh. Uh oh. Things French, are getting rough French in the French Quarter. Down. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you know, any anytime I can do something with an Arduino, do that's it. that's to me one of the funnest things. So. Oh yeah, they're they're a blast. I it, need a good Arduino project. And it was legit too. I mean, I'll actually use that for something. It won't live in a box. Well, it'll live in a box, but a box that'll be in service. <laughs> well, we mentioned earlier about 
Mike being on vacation and traveling. And then we just noticed that K2BAG, John is here with us tonight. We haven't heard much out of the hat lately. However, it it just so happens Mike spotted the hat on this trip. Look out. Yep, it's been on a cruise. You never know when it's going to turn up. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the same hat, but it is a hat, and it does say amateurlogic.tv. Yeah, is that a hat, or is it a silhouette of a hat? Hmm. <laughs> it's a black hat. It's so, a celebrity hat. Yeah. Have you got an email for us tonight? I do have an email. Mail. Email. <laughs> He's right there. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Let me uh, get it to where I can see it. It's a, it's a short email, but it uh, actually sparked uh, something I was interested in, or maybe do a segment on. It's from our friend Elliot, uh, K1MF. You remember Elliot? They, he I remember and Elliot. sent the coffee and the teas. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice guy. He said, Tommy, have you ever loaded Chirp programming software onto a Raspberry Pi? Instructions given have something to be desired. Thanks, Elliot. And he's right. I, I never have. I never even thought about it. I didn't know it runs on there, uh, so I looked it up. And and he's right. It's 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 a little bit of a task. Uh, so, I'm thinking I may do a segment on that. I don't really have a need to run it on there, but um, I, I think I'm going to accept the challenge and see if I can get it to work. So the answer was no. The answer is not yet. Ah, see, email. That's the kind of cheap answer that gets you places, isn't it? That's right. That's right. That's like money in the bank right there. You know, it's a good segment idea. So yeah. uh, I'm always looking for good segment ideas. True. Yeah. So anyway, thanks for the email, Elliot. It's always good to hear from you. Yeah. Very good. We're going to be back in just a moment because we got more to go. When it's time to raise your antennas quickly, nothing beats the weight, strength, and ease of fiberglass mast. And nobody offers you more choices in quality fiberglass masts than MFJ. MFJ 1918 and 1919 series portable tripods include strong steel bases and non-skid feet with fiberglass masts in heights of 6, 7.8, 9.5, or 18 feet. For heavy-duty requirements, choose a MFJ 1904, 1906, or 1908 Super Strong Fiberglass Mast. Available in 10, 22, 25, 33, 43, or 50-foot heights. 0.125-inch thick-wall fiberglass tubing has the strength necessary to support real weight, including small Yagis, verticals, loops, full-size dipoles, and more. Standard NH models have 2-inch outer-diameter bottom sections and 3-quarter-inch OD top sections and come with strong stainless steel hose clamps. Optional military-quality UV-protected quick clamps are available. HD models are extra heavy-duty and have 2.5-inch OD bottom sections and 1-inch OD top sections and include quick clamps. For quick and easy deployment of MFJ's 1904, 1906, and 1908 series super strong fiberglass mast, add a giant 5.5-foot super heavy-duty tripod. With an 8-foot diameter footprint, these tripods are perfect for holding massive antennas with big masts sturdy and safely. For extra stability, add MFJ's 1905 tripod anchor foot braces. These heavy stainless steel feet also allow you to add ground spikes for high winds and unlevel grounds safely. For super quick deployment of lightweight wire antennas like inverted V's or dipoles, nothing beats MFJ's 1910 through 1917 lightweight telescopic portable mast. Choose your height from 10 to 43 feet and rapidly raise your antenna in just seconds. They're perfect for field day, traveling, camping, hotels, ham fest, de-expeditions, or anywhere you need to get on the air quick. Don't let their super lightweight fool you, though. These telescopic masts are made of high-strength fiberglass sections that quickly twist and lock into place. Check out MFJ's quality fiberglass mast today at mfjenterprises.com. I moved from uh, Canal Street on down to St. Charles. I'm going to catch the uh, trolley. Look out. That's St. Charlie, isn't it? St. Charles? Well, St. Charles right now. <laughs> Let's see if I can fix that. There, there we go. go. There it is. <laughs> a little jump on a jump on a streetcar. Nothing like a little masking tape on the set here to 
tax stuff. You need together. green tape so it don't show up. True. <laughs> okay, where are we now? Oh, Tommy, we were talking about, uh, well, you and I were talking about it earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a fun little device. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It, honestly, it's probably kind of unnecessary for me because I, I had other things that do similar job for what I need. But they, well, let, let's take a look at it and we can talk about it after the video. How about that? I don't want to say too much. My curiosity got the best of me, and I ordered a Nano VNA. I, I really didn't need it. I've got two very very nice. Uh, MFJ antenna analyzers that I really enjoy. I got an MFJ 259B. It's an old classic. It works fantastic. And I've got the UR kits, one that they have, or they have, I'm not sure if they still carry it, but I do have it and I use it occasionally. But I wanted to see what all the hoopla was about on this, so I went ahead and spent the $50 or so and ordered this one. It was cheap old man compliant, so the uh, cost compliance officer should be happy with that. Let's take a look at what came in the box. First of all, we got the unit. Came with a wrist strap, which I've already put on. It uh, came with this uh, little guitar pick with a hole in it, which is used as a stylus. Came with a couple of USB cables, a couple of these little jumper leads with the SMAs on them, an adapter to hook some together. And it came with uh, what's probably the most important part of this kit, Next to the device itself are these little three little pieces right here. These are used to calibrate it. Without these, I think the thing is fairly useless. Well, this one's called an open. If you look down inside of it, there's a hole in the middle with no center pin. This was a short. There's a center pin in this one, but there's no insulation. It's all together. So it's literally shorted out from the case, the shielding part of it to the center pin. And then this one is called the load. It's a 50 ohm, I believe it's 50 ohms, basically a small dummy load that you hook on to do the calibration. We'll look at that again in just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and take it out of the box. Oh, one other thing it came with. It came with this sheet that shows you the menu structure, which is useful because the menu is quite complicated on it. The whole thing's quite complicated, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of the device yet. I know it's a capable thing to have, so I'm going to be learning it as we go, and I'll bring you along for the ride. The device has a battery in it, a small battery. I think this one has like a 650 milliamp hour battery. It doesn't last an eternity, but I've played around with it a good bit, and I haven't run it down yet. I did charge it before this demo just to make sure that I had plenty of power. To turn it on, flip the switch right there and it'll boot up. There's a rocker switch that allows you to go through some menu settings, move the markers and stuff on the screen, which we'll look at later. I've got my HF antenna set up outside. It's kind of in a shambles right now. The squirrels cut the rope on one end and it fell. So it's not suspended between the two trees as high as it should be. One end's high, the other end's low, so it's in a slope configuration right now. I'm gonna, the weather's been bad and I haven't had a chance to go out there and, and put it back up. So we're gonna test it like that. It may work great, it may not. But I've, I've got it hooked up to the other end of this little small piece of coax jumper right here with an SMA on it for testing today. First of all, let's go ahead and go through the menu and set it up to, to check uh, some of the HF bands. We'll, uh, we'll just do uh, maybe 40 meters or something. So to, to bring up the menu, you just touch the screen you can see it comes up. To calibrate, we need to go to the calibrate menu. Calibrate. I'll take this cover off of the uh, SMA. Uh, I didn't mention earlier, but we've got two, two antenna jacks here. Uh, one is port 1 or S11. The other one's uh, port 2 or S21. Before we calibrate it, we need to set the frequency range. This thing covers a wide range of frequencies. I think it's 50 hertz all the way up to 1.5 gigahertz i believe that's why it needs to be calibrated so it can uh, be in tune for the range that you want to use it for let's bring up the menu by touching the screen we need the stimulus menu option so let's touch that we've got a start and 40 meters is 7 megahertz 7 M for megahertz. Touch the screen again. 
The stop frequency will be 7.3 megahertz. 7.3 megahertz. And you can see down here, I hope you can see, it's pretty small. 7, stop is 7.3. Now I've already got this set up for S11 and SWR, you can see on the top, but we're going to go through that again. So to make sure that we're on the right port, let's go back, we'll go to display. We've got the trace, which there are a lot of traces that you can turn on on this thing at the same time. And the, the screen gets quite busy. So, but I'm going to turn them all off except trace zero, just to keep things simple. Which one? There. Sometimes you have to touch it twice. There we go. So trace zero. Let's go back. Let's go back into the menu. We're going to need to set a scale to tell how much each one of these divisions are. So let's go into scale. Scale per division. And I think 2.5 is probably pretty good for this. So let's, let's just try that. If we need to change it, we can. And you can see 2.5 is right here. We didn't tell it we wanted to test SWR. So let's go back to there. Back. Format for S11. And we want SWR. You can do uh, log mag, phase, delay, smith charts, resistance, reactance, high ZI. I'm not even sure what that is. But we're going to make sure we have SWR chosen. And you can see it's S11 and SWR. That's what this, this uh, trace that's here is. Right now it's off the chart. There's a marker on here. You can see my marker is to the right. If we slide it, it changes the frequency right here. So M1 is uh, 7.147 there. Go all the way down to 7 megahertz. So I'm going to pull it up to the round of the middle of the band right now just for just for some place to put it. That's close enough. Okay, let's uh, let's go ahead and calibrate. First thing we're going to need to start off with is the open. But let's let's go into the menu. Go back back until we see calibrate right there. We're going to calibrate, open, oops, first you got to put the open on. So let's do that first. So now let's do open again, and it just ran through open. Now we need to put the short on it, it increments down to the next. Again, if you lose these things, you're in big trouble, so be careful with them. Don't knock them around like I just did. Okay, so that's the short. And it runs through there. You can see an increment right here, OS. Now we need the load. I'm not really sure if I'm a fan of this thing or not. It's, uh, it's a little bit inconvenient. But uh, at any rate, so let's go ahead and hit load, go there, and it runs through. Now this is isolation through, I don't know what, they're, they're mostly for if you're doing testing using the other port. So we're not, we don't need it for this one, so I'm just going to hit the button on that and get through. We go done after it's finished. We can save these in memory channels. So I'm going to save it in this first one. Actually, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to save it in the first one. And it's there. It saved it. Now I put an SD card in this one, micro SD card. I did have a hard time finding some that worked. It says it takes up to 32 gig, but it doesn't seem to like the good cards. I found a couple of cheap ones that work in it. I've actually got a two gig old one that I've had for eternity, but I'm gonna go ahead and save my configuration. So let's, let's go back. Oh, save calibration right there. And I'll call this uh, 40 meters, 40 M for meters is good enough. Hit the enter button, and you can see it saved the calibration. So let's switch out this and go ahead and put our antenna on. Check the SWR. Uh, again, I don't really know. I did. I checked with a different antenna. I haven't hooked up this one to it yet. So whatever you see is going to be a surprise to me as well. I'm hoping it's good. That antenna's been through a rough time. It's been... It's fallen, hitting the ground so many times because of the uh, 
the squirrel attacks out there. Well, it didn't do anything. Now, I've, I've noticed that occasionally it seems frozen or something. So if I turn it off, turn it back on now. Okay, now you see it down there. It's at uh, 1.594 right here in the middle of the band. My scale doesn't seem right, so I'm not sure if I lost that. So let's go back in and check it. Uh, display, scale division, 0.25. How about that? Enter. That looks better. And you can see my, my uh, SWR goes up quite a bit to the higher end of the band, but it's still 1.9. The other way you can move that marker is with this little rocker switch here on the top. So if we slide it, you can see the SWR changes when it, when it moves. 1.384 to 1.924, which is still acceptable. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and try 20 meters too while we're on here. It'll only take a few more moments. So that's going to be 14 megahertz to 14.35 for me. So let's go ahead and do that again. The only problem is we're going to have to calibrate now. Actually, let's try it without it. So let's go in here and um, go back, back to stimulus. The start frequency is going to be 14 megahertz for me for extra class. Megahertz. The stop frequency is going to be... 14.35, 14.35 megahertz. So it shows uh, 1.4. Let's uh, let's try calibrating it now and see what it changes. The farthest left is 1.4. It was 1.4. It was flipping between 1.4. There it goes. I, I actually I think that's close enough for me. So that's at uh, 14 megahertz, 1.4. I'm gonna just for fun. I'm gonna try my MFJ259B. That doesn't seem right, but it is right. I did confirm this off camera with my MFJ259B, and it's one shows 1.1 to one. So that uh, rounds up to 1.1. So that's that's correct. We'll go through some more of the advanced stuff as I learn it. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in here for $50, which most, I think all of it, my or most of it can be done by my MFJ analyzers, but we'll probably go through and, and do a fine comparison on the readings of it uh, at some point and some other experiments as well. So I hope you found it useful and enjoyed it. 73. Nice. Definitely. Thanks. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, it's there's quite a learning curve with that thing. Well, Emil, I gotta ask, did it was it really compliant, or is that pushing it? Uh, well, you know, I took I took a poll in the chat room, and I, it, it's pretty close. And I, I'm just gonna take a uh, a play from the cheap old man book. I bet you in both of y'all's uh segments the software was free right yeah yeah okay so it it might be a tie it's so close <laughs> okay but his did have the chx logo george so i mean you can't deny that well see, i don't have a copy was, of it i was flaunting the cheapness on mine <laughs> yes. it wore it like a badge if i had bought the cheap arduino fake yeah, I, I would have felt okay putting the symbol on it then. <laughs> All right. But I bought the real Italian deal there, you know. For a Gile. Yeah. For Gile. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the rogue squirrel in there? I did see the rogue squirrel. That was cool. You got to watch those things, man. They can turn up anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I caught it out of the corner of my eye there. That, that almost slipped past me. But I, I like it. That was, uh, you kind of got me wanting one, even though. I only have four or five antenna analyzers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was totally unnecessary for, for my needs, but I'm going to explore it and see what I can yeah. do with it. It's, it's like something fun to play with. So the cost wasn't bad on it. Yeah. Well, guess what I got? 
An email. Or an email. An actual email. And this comes, I didn't see him in the chat room tonight. I don't think he's here. Dennis KK0DJ. And he wrote and said, George and gang, not until our son gave us a nice Bose soundbar for our TV for Christmas, we were able to enjoy the beautiful sound of AmateurLogic.tv. Wow, what a difference. I hadn't realized how professionally done the audio was. Just thought I'd let you know. Good show on 1 slash 13. Well, you know, you can't get this these glorious voices. <laughs> Anywhere else. Yeah, no, they, on a, <laughs> if you listen to them on a laptop or anything less, they might sound like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> but, but if you use a sound bar on your TV, apparently... They sound beautiful. Yeah. It, do, it so, does sound good on a regular yeah, TV and it, it, sound system. Yeah, it does. And one of and, the tricks, these right here, as Bob says, it all starts at the microphone. Yeah. yeah. But we do no a doubt. lot of other stuff in there, too. So anyway, thanks, Dennis. We uh, appreciate it. I, I could say that's been a work in progress from the beginning. We've had... Just so many problems, and finally got to where the basically the audio chain is pretty solid now. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. there's never ever a problem, but but it's it works really well now. Yeah, we got something that works good. And and how about that theme song, George? The theme song, yes. <laughs> the theme song with the face melting solo. Now <laughs> you you can't get that just anywhere either. No. Nope. Yeah. However. If you'd like to purchase a copy, no, it's free. It comes with every episode. No Ooh. additional charge. Cheap old man compliant. Yep. Speaking of cheap old man compliant, we're going to be back with just such a segment. Got cabin fever? Look no further and spring into the new year with ICOM. Whether out in the field or inside your ham shack, we have what you're looking for one of our base stations, mobiles, or handhelds for the love of ham radio. ICOM's newest FM transceiver is the ICV3500, and it's ready to hit the road whenever you are. With a compact body and simple interface, this radio is a must for those looking for a long-range mobile with a fresh look. Go further with 65 watts output and get louder with 4.5 watts of audio with the ICV3500. The rugged ICOM ICT10 portable meets or exceeds standard military testing. With an IP67 waterproof rating, the ICT10 can withstand any field activities ahead. Hear any transmission and listen to FM broadcast with a loud 1500 milliwatt speaker. The ICT-10 is an excellent choice for any bug-out bag. The IC-7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. With RF direct sampling, the IC-7300 changes the way entry-level HF is designed. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base station features and functionalities at the tips of your fingers in a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs just under 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack LC192 with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories. The ID52A is a VHF-UHF dual-bounder with D-Star and FM dual-mode functions and is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. 
This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star Simplex, Repeater, Regional, and Worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. Send photos over D-Star with a connected Android device. The ID52A is a perfect companion to the IC705. Both use compatible batteries and headsets, and you can also use the same Android app for D-Star operation. Learn more about these and all the great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Glenn and I, and also the W5SLA Ozone Amateur Radio Club, have been participating in Winter Field Day for quite some time now. And we always like to take out our equipment in the fields to endure the excruciating southern (laughs) winter conditions. (laughs) What y'all doing this morning, huh? We're gonna do winter field day? Yeah? 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 Okay. But first things first. Yep. Let's check the weather. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we can consider that a southern winter. Hi, hi. <laughs> we can eat. Well, we should not broadcast that he's got chickens. The FDA will come over here and slaughter them, saying they got some kind of flu disease. That's awesome. Southern Winterfield Day, people. If we don't eat, we get evicted. Okay. Good morning, W5 DGM. Good morning. D E K E5 QKR. Ooh. And KG5 CEN. W B something D J R W D five D J D O D N A D O D N A D O D N A. There's K five O Z working hard. That's all meat right there. It may be a midget. Somebody needs to test it. Mine's got a ferrite on it. I got it in the car. I got the ones that you played with. Yeah. I bought those. Uh, well, you need to know that I bought those from uh, Huntsville when I was up there. Yep. I do. My car I got declined, and I completely forgot I had that $20 bill in my pocket. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I got a $20 bill in my pocket. I had 
just enough for the ferrites and the terroids. As you see, we did survive. Uh, we made it through, <laughs> even though it was, uh, you know, it was really harsh. Even though you had to look at that great sunset? <laughs> yeah. Or was that the sunrise? Look, I really feel for the people out there who are in much worse conditions. But, you know, somebody has to provide them with contacts, right? So, yeah. But you know we, what? I was going to say, it's it's the other way around in Summerfield Day. Exactly. Exactly. We trade places, so I, I don't, we don't feel bad. And we like getting out there in the field, making sure the equipment works. And in all seriousness, Glenn and I, we always do our basics, um, you know, 30 miles, 70 miles, uh, 300 miles, 600 miles, 900, 1,200. We, we test it. We, uh, you saw the video there. J Glenn was uh, behind the uh, Vara and the Windlink system. We were doing the challenge and doing some other things. But we always test what we do. And that combination, George, of uh, antenna from MFJ, the uh, tuner, and it just works, man. That's been going for four, maybe five years now. And it's the same setup. It just works. Yeah. That's, uh, he, you know. Tommy and I went to Hamfest here. So this post is from one of our club members in W5SLA, uh, Scott Hernandez, who is sharing from another club just west of us in Gonzales. It's called the Ascension Amateur Radio Club. And it's uh, Elmer N5KEF, who we saw at Huntsville, racking up on some things. But anyway, he says this Saturday... February 18th, Ascension Amateur Radio is hosting a Parks on the Air activation at Tickfaw State Park near Ponchatoula. It's west of us. Everyone is welcome to join us. We'll be starting around 9, and we'll be working all the bands in various modes. If you are a new ham, and this is the important part why I'm reading this article here. If you are a new ham and want to work general and extra frequencies, here's your chance to get on the air. Interested in ham radio, GMRS operations, come check it out. Families are welcome. Weather should be great. So, George, the reason I bring this up is maybe for you new hams out there or some of the newer hams, if you operate uh, under a club's call sign and there are extra class licensees of the club present, you can also operate in those bands and really get your hands on and feet wet in the bands if you haven't, if you're not that class of license. So, that's something maybe some new hams don't know or realize. So get get out there and uh, see what it's all about. You might just be hooked like we were. Oh yeah, yeah. If um, you know, if you're a technician and all you've been operating is say, uh, you know, talking on some of the repeaters, maybe doing a little uh, two meter or four forty simplex, it's a little different. You know, when you when you walk by and you hear somebody talking and they sound like they're a little off frequency or something because the radio's not tuned just right and you wonder what the heck is that about well there'll be an old guy there that can explain that to you and let you experience it for yourself absolutely i i brought one of my friends there you saw him sitting at the table in my segment um who is not a ham but when he saw us set up he helped us set up really appreciate that um but he wanted to know what I always spend all this time on, right? So I, I brought him with me, and sure enough, when he heard us hitting stations 600, 900 miles out, he said, wait, that guy is where? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's uh, it's good to uh, experience that or see it and let other people see it, too. We used to do a net every week here. We did. I was just thinking about it. I this, see you thinking there pretty hard. You and I are going to be net controls coming up this Tuesday night, February 21st, on the Logic Net. This will be the second Logic Net being held there. They're we held. Are. I mean, we are. Yeah. They're held once a month now. And it's the Tuesday after we've shot an amateur Logic. And, well, that'll be this coming Tuesday. Right here on the screen, that tells you all the different places you can connect. 
It's not just uh, there's one repeater or one frequency you get on. There's all kinds of different modes that you can connect with there, digital and analog, uh, all over the United States or the world for that matter. And parts of New Orleans. Yep. Join <laughs> Dean Martin and Professor Thomas this Tuesday night for the Logic Net. And we want to thank Tom WA2IVD for resuscitating that net. Well, sort of putting the brains in the head there, to, you know, to get this thing going again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come join us. Yeah. It's not just a net, it's an adventure. The stated purpose of the net is to talk about what was in the most recent episode of Amateur Logic. And if you were here tonight, well, you know what was in the most recent episode. But that really doesn't matter. You know, just just come check in if you got a tip you want to share or something you want to talk about. Yep. Bring that along with you. We'll be glad you to hear it. got any weather over there? Got, everybody's got that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, we can say that. So uh, looking looking forward to visiting with some of you this coming Tuesday night. And I just want to say to our friends in New Zealand, um, you know, we've been in touch with some of them uh, in the last couple of days here. We had no idea that y'all were having such problems down there with the disaster. Uh, the it, cyclone. The cyclone. Yeah. Yeah. It, I guess it hadn't been on the news here. I, I've been, I, don't I don't know, know what's going on with yeah, that. I don't know why it hasn't either, but uh, Simon, you know, sent a link, and I went mm-hmm. and looked at some of the pictures, and wow. That's horrible. It is very, very bad. I mean, it looked like, I don't know, it looked like what here would be used to as um, you know, maybe from a hurricane, but a mudslide too, mm-hmm. and just wow, uh, really tough conditions. So we're thinking about everybody down there in New Zealand, and God bless you. Yep, yep, and uh, uh, good luck with uh, a speedy recovery there. Although it's going to be slow from yep. the way things are looking. I had one more thing I wanted to mention. Oh, you do. Yeah, we uh, you know we talked about the uh, repeater that we had, the D Star mm-hmm. repeater. Well, uh, Icon America released a video on that, so it's on their YouTube channel, Icon America's YouTube channel. So go check that out. Oh yeah, about how to set up the uh, new multi mode. We got the UHF one, but the principle is the same for the others. Uh, multi mode uh, D Star FM repeater and and the gateway for it as well. Mm-hmm. It's got all the details you need right there if you'd like to do that yourself. And, you know, I got to say, I think I could follow along with this and actually do it myself. I feel like I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good chance. If you'd like to know what's going on throughout the month, well, we got a place you can do that, too. Just join one of our uh, high society groups there. That is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Yep. Follow us at Amateur Logic on Twitter. Or groups.io slash G slash Amateur Logic. And if you need show notes, like some of the stuff we talked about tonight, like where you can get the parts, for the project that I built where you can download the software, maybe where you could get a link to what Tommy was talking about. I don't know if there's a link to where you can get that food Emil had. But there should be. There should be. Winter yeah. Field Day, if you show up, right? We'll give the Winter Field Day link. Because I'm not kidding. Ah. I'm thinking about trying to find something on the way home because of that. I think I saw that on the grill over there, wasn't it? Some <laughs> links I saw on there. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, uh, you go to the show notes at uh, amateurlogic.tv forward slash wiki. And with that, I'll just say um, thanks for being here tonight, everyone. It's always great to see you. Emil, with all the swag here tonight, you know, and the decorations, I just got to know, are you going to be activating Mardi Gras this year? I don't don't think I'm going to be activating Mardi Gras uh, that depends on certain intakes of certain liquids, but uh, there is definitely going to be, as we call it down here, uh, some good times. So 
Laissez le bon temps rouler. So are you going to put on your mask? Are you just... It's tied. It's tied. Yeah, I tied it. Oh, I can do that. Oh, yeah. I'd have never to the known ball it. like that. Yeah. What happened to Emil? <laughs> we don't have an answer for that, and I'm, I'm not sure there's a logo or anything <laughs> for that. So, Tommy, any final thoughts for tonight's show? No, it was a good show, good segments. Uh, kind of miss Mike being there, but we'll see him next show. We will. He'll be back. And everyone in the chat room, thanks for being here with us tonight through the show. We want you to join us back here next month, middle of the month, about the same time, and see what we got going on, because I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah. And I've been at it for 17 years, and I still, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm persistent. Yeah. You yeah. are, too. So don't know it. how to quit. 7-3. Seven, 7-3, three. Seven, three, three. everybody. Good night. Good evening. Welcome to another exciting episode. I can't even tell. The epilogue. Beep. <laughs>